In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Today is the second Sunday of the great fast, which we call the Temptation Sunday, where we read in the Gospel reading about the devil who came to Christ while he was fasting for 40 days in the wilderness. And we read in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 4, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And we read about how the devil tempted the Lord Christ in three different ways uh, after his period of fasting was almost done after the 40 days of fasting. So we can learn several things about the way that the devil tempts us by watching and observing here how he tempted the Lord Christ. So what can we learn about the devil's temptations from this passage? The first is, is that the devil understands human nature very well. This is why he is so successful in what he does, that he is able to tempt and cause to fall 100% of all the human beings that have ever lived, that he is so successful in this because he understands human nature. If we read in 1 John chapter 2, it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. These three concepts, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, are essentially the three ways that the devil gets us every time, and the same ways actually that we see him tempting the Lord here in this passage. These were the three temptations of Christ. The first is he tempted him through hunger. He told him, take this stone and turn it into bread. In order for him to satisfy his flesh after fasting without food for 40 days, so this was the first temptation that the devil tempted the Lord Christ with. The second temptation was through the eyes, the desire to possess, the desire to have what it is that we see around us. And to see that, he, he told him, what all of these kingdoms in the world have been given to me, and so I can give it to you. All these things, all these luxuries, all these, these kingdoms that are in the world that you want to have, you see with your eyes, you want to obtain, I can give it to you. This is what the devil says. And the third temptation was the proud of, pride of life, the desire to show off. He told them, go up to the top of the temple, jump off, and then you will see all of these angels that are going to come and save you, and the whole world will know that you are the Lord because they will see this miracle of the angels coming to save you when you jump off the temple. These are essentially the three temptations that the devil tempted the Lord with, and these are also the same temptations that even to this day that the, Lord, that the, the devil tempts God's children with and causes us to fall every time. And we are called to struggle against him in these things because these are our weaknesses. He, our desire for pleasure, the lust, of the, uh, the lust of the flesh, that we are desiring that to satisfy our flesh, all of the desires of the flesh, all the things that make our flesh happy are the things that are against the kingdom of God, are the things that are preventing us from approaching God, are a separation between us and God, that instead of serving to build up our spirit, Instead, we are building up our flesh. This is the first temptation that the devil understands and he tempts us with. The second is our desire to have, to obtain what it is that we see. When we see somebody who has a new car, we want to have the new car. When we see someone with a better house, we want to have the better house. When we see someone who has something that we don't have, immediately our desire to obtain materialism, our desire to have. This attaches us to the world because everything that we see around us is so attractive to us we get distracted from seeking out the heavenly kingdom because after all in heaven there are no houses, there are no cars, there's nothing that we see to obtain in the same way. Our flesh keeps us grounded on the earth the more that we seek to obtain. And the devil of course understands this about us and he 
you know, he, he puts in front of us all of these things for us to seek after, for us to run after, to distract us from our true walk with the Lord. The third is our desire to be glorified, our desire to be praised, our desire to exalt ourselves. This is the third and final temptation here that the, de that the devil tempted the Lord with, and he also does the same with us. Each of us would, wants to be praised, wants to be glorified, wants to be exalted, wants that other people would point to us and, and glorify us and give us positions of authority and power that they would, they would submit to our authority, to our control, to our will. This is the, the third way that the devil tempts us. What else can we learn about the devil? The devil is predictable, that even though um, he is very crafty and he is very deceptive, but he is very predictable. We can tell clearly the way that he works. Actually, these three same temptations was the same temptations that he tempted Eve with from the very beginning. We read in Genesis 3, verse 6, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. What is the first one we said? Is the lust of the flesh, right? It says here in this passage, it was, it was good for food. It was something that was desirable. It was something that was going to make me feel good. It looked like it was the best fruit of all of the fruit, and so I wanted to taste it. I wanted to experience it. I wanted to enjoy it, right? This is one of the attractions that Eve had to eat the fruit. The second one was the lust of the eyes. It says what? It looked good. It was pleasant, right? It satisfied, it satisfied my eyes. It, sat, it was something that I saw from a distance, and he said, I want this. This is something good. I want to acquire it. I want to obtain it. And the third one was the pride of life. It says what? It was desirable to make one wise, because if she was wise, and she was, as, has the same wisdom as God, then this is something that would exalt her, would elevate her, would make her maybe not as reliant on God, but instead she can rely on herself because she was full of wisdom and understanding and knowledge. So the devil is predictable. The same temptations that the, the devil attacked Eve with, even from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, the same temptations that the devil attacked the Lord Christ with while he was fasting for 40 days in the wilderness are the same temptations that he attacks us with day after day after day. So if we begin to recognize and identify the pattern, the way that the, that the devil tempts us, it will help us to overcome him. Another thing we can learn from this passage about the devil's temptations is that the devil misuses scripture in order to tempt us. When the devil is responding to Christ and he's speaking to him, he says what? For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands he shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. He's trying to convince the Lord to go up to the top of the temple and to jump off. Why? Well, because it is written. Look, it is written that the angels will protect you. You cannot get hurt. That, that if you try to hurt yourself, if you try to jump off the temple, well, the, the angels will come and they will protect you and they will bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. And maybe someone who has very limited knowledge and understanding of the scripture would listen to this and would read something like this and say, oh, that makes sense. You know, maybe that is the truth. When we read the Word of God without experience, without understanding, without a foundation, without a reference, it is easy for us to misunderstand what it's saying. It's easy for us to take a specific verse out of context and to magnify it and amplify it and actually uh, satisfy some internal bias that I have and interpret it in a way that is um, beneficial to me, because secretly, this is the way that I, this is what I want it to mean. 
What I want it to mean is in a way that uh, justifies my chosen lifestyle. You know, like some people who want to be in a relationship outside of marriage, what will they say? Well, we're in love. And, and love, is, love is what God wants. God wants us to love, right? God is love. So anything that is love is justified, even if it is outside the boundaries of marriage. Even, even like, like I can make any reasons why, where I focus on one thing and I say, even though this thing is against other parts of God's command, but I can find something, some verse in the Bible to justify what it is that I want to do. And this certainly here is what the devil did. He took something out of context and he said, what? Well, the angels are going to come protect you. Just go jump off the temple. The angels will, will come and protect you. So the devil uses the scripture that we are familiar with and he twists its meaning to make it mean something different than what it actually is intended to mean. Another thing we learn about the devil here is that he hates asceticism. Why is it that he came to the Lord during this period of time in his life? It is because he was fasting for 40 days. It was because he was in the wilderness for 40 days. It's because he was pushing his, his, his humanity to the limit here during these 40 days. Uh, there's, a, there's a story here I want to share with you. It says, a brother was hungry early in the morning, and he fought his desire so as not to eat before the third hour. When the third hour came, he forced himself to wait until the sixth hour. At that time, he broke his loaves and sat down to eat. Then stood up again, saying to himself, Now wait until the ninth hour. At the ninth hour he said the prayer and saw the power of the devil like smoke rising from his manual work, and his hunger vanished. What is this saying? Is there anything wrong with eating? There's nothing wrong with eating. There's, this is something very normal and natural for human beings to do. This, this monk would not have sinned, or this brother would not have sinned if he had eaten. But what this demonstrates is that the more that we deprive our flesh, the more that we deprive ourselves of our desires, the more our spirit is strengthened and the more the devil is weakened. Here, this monk sees the power of the devil rising like smoke, like what was causing his hunger, what was causing his temptation to eat, was actually the devil working. Maybe it wasn't just a natural hunger. Maybe the devil wanted him to break his fast that he had committed and said already from the beginning that, you, that I will fast for a certain amount of time without eating food, and yet the temptation he experienced was why it was because the devil wanted him to break the fast. And when he pushed through this desire and did not break his fast, he saw the devil physically as a form of smoke rising up, like fleeing from him because, he could, because, because his work he could not accomplish what it is that he wanted to do. And certainly we see in the example of Christ fasting for 40 days in the wilderness, the same idea. After the 40 days was done, the devil comes to him and he says, what? Just turn this stone into bread. Actually, you are the Lord. You can do what you want. You can turn anything into food at any time. And who would criticize him if he ate bread? And actually, it was already at the end of the fast. You know, like sometimes it's at the end of the fast where we only have like a couple days left, where it feels like it is the most difficult. Where even though we only have a couple days left, we feel like this intense desire to break the fast at this time. And yet, if we push through, right, then, then we will receive a reward. We will receive the reward of obedience. We will receive the reward of experiencing the feast with a kind of a joy that is that we would not otherwise experience if we broke our fast from before. So here the devil hates asceticism. So how do we handle these attacks of the devil? What are some things that we need to keep in mind whenever we are in the moment and we feel these demonic attacks, this war that is against us, in, 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 at that time. The first thing we should do is call upon God in the moment. 
in the immediate moment when we are tempted, whether it is to break our fast or whether we are tempted by lust or, or, or to lie or to steal or to gossip or to whatever it is, the sin of temptation it is, we are to call upon God in the moment because we need God's help in that moment. We should turn to God first and not turn to other things, right? If really I believe that the devils are, are, are constantly attacking us, then who is it that can save us? It is not ourselves. It is the Spirit of God. It is, it is, it is the righteous spirits to attack the wicked spirits. In Psalm 27, verse 5, it says, For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. Right? This is in the time of trouble. In the time of trouble, God comes to us as a savior. He comes to us to protect us, to hide us from the devil's temptation. I should call upon God in the moment. The other thing I should do is have patience. In Matthew 24, it says, But he who endures to the end shall be saved. In the midst of the struggle of temptation, sometimes we ask the question, Why isn't God coming? Why isn't God removing the temptation from me? Why isn't God protecting me? Why isn't he helping me right now? And maybe the answer is, is he is waiting. He is waiting to see how long I can hold out. He's waiting to see how long I will endure. And this is not because he doesn't care or doesn't have compassion. The longer that we learn to endure, this is what strengthens us spiritually, right? It strengthens me spiritually, just like a person who is exercising, you know? It's like sometimes after two minutes of exercise, we feel, I, I, can't, I can't continue. This is enough exercise for two minutes. Right? But if we push ourselves to endure to three minutes, or to four minutes, or to five minutes, or to 20 minutes, or 30 minutes, then clearly we will have more benefit. We will benefit from the exercise much more than if I only was enduring it for two minutes. So the Lord wants us to, to, to benefit. He wants us to grow in faith. He wants us to spiritually grow in strength. And the only way to do that is to be able to endure the temptation for longer. Right? And this is something that we grow in over our life. Maybe at a younger age, even our children, we tell them, okay, maybe you can't fast the entire fast. Fast one day a week or fast only part of a day, right? Start to grow your spiritual muscles so that you can endure longer and longer. And in those times of endurance, it's like the devil is whispering to us and he's saying, you can't endure this. You will never be able to endure to the end. And it feels like it's going to take forever. And there, there is no end. And you have to give in now. Because if you give in now, then all of this struggle you have will disappear. And you will enjoy yourself. And you will, you will have a break from this struggle of, of against temptation. Right? Just indulge yourself in whatever sin you want to commit. And then you will feel better. Right? This is the voice of the devil speaking to us. So we have to have patience in the midst of these demonic attacks against us. Another thing we need to realize when fighting against the devil's temptation is that sin starts small. It starts small before it gets to be big. You know, someone doesn't go from being faithful to their spouse to having an affair all in one day. They start by small compromises, here and here and here, one at a time, day after day over years, and then they reach the point where I'm able to have this affair. You don't go from this to this. So we have to be very careful each day of how we choose to live and what temptations and what sins we are falling into. In, in James chapter 1, St. James says, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. This we call it the sin cycle. 
right? It starts out very small. We have a temptation. But then by this temptation, when I give in to it, we are drawn away. By what? By our desires. Because the devil is offering us what we secretly want. He's offering something that we really truly desire. And so when we see that thing that we desire, if we desire to go after it, we are drawn away. We are drawn away from God's flock. We are drawn away from God's protection because we are going after this thing that we desire. Then desire, when it grows and it is fully conceived, it gives birth to sin because we fall into sin. And when it is full grown, when we continue in this sin over and over and over without repentance, without revealing it, without confessing it, it brings forth death, right? That death is, is the ultimate separation from God. That, that death is the, 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 that the sin completely destroys me, right? So we have to stop the cycle at the beginning, right? Because sometimes we make all these small compromises, one after the other after the other, and we don't realize that the devil is actually the one behind these compromises. He's like, I'm not going to tempt him to have an affair all at once. I'm not going to tempt him to kill someone all at once. I'm not going to tempt him to do some horrible thing all at once. All I'm going to do is one step. One step, one small little step in that direction. And once that person gets used to that and that becomes a lifestyle, once that becomes a habit, then I'm going to go to the next step. And so each step along that path that leads to death, we are oblivious and we don't feel it and we don't realize it, right? This is the way that the devil works. So sin begins small. We have to catch it when it's small. We have to realize it when it's small. Not that it will go all the way to the end. No, it will go one step at a time. The last point is that we should expect a reward for our endurance. The endurance that we have, God will reward us for in James 1 verse 12, it says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So even though we struggle with temptation, because we all have a corrupted flesh, our corrupted nature that desires sin and desires evil, desires and we have this disease of loving sin in the world, and yet when we continue to fight against it, and we continue to ask for God's help in the moment. And we continue to confess whenever we fall. It says, what well, blessed is the man who endures temptation. Because he will receive the crown of life. The reward that we receive from fighting temptation is an eternal reward. It's a, a, a reward that lasts forever. Whereas the rewards of sin are so momentary and fleeting. And that the, those sins actually turn against us. And they cause us to have self-loathing, to have guilt, to have shame, to have hatred, to have this debilitating effects of sin, right? Compared to this crown of life which God offers to those who endure to the end. So ultimately we are looking for God's work, for God's salvation, to, to be pleasing to God, to be in union with God. And all these are the reward of our endurance against the devil's demonic attacks. So in conclusion, we should look at the Lord as our example, right? The devil revealed to us his way. He revealed to us his pattern. He revealed to us his plan. His strategy has become exposed, right? We know, we know the enemy. You know, it's like when, 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 you, when you're in a war, both sides are trying to figure out what is the strategy of the other side. How is it that the other side is going to try to win the war? Where is it going to attack? When is it going to attack? And so on. The devil is very clear. We know exactly how he works, how he operates. We see it again and again and again, both in the lives of, the, of Christ. We see it many times in the scripture. We see it in our own life, right? The Lord was tempted 
just as we are, but he never fell into sin. And of course, we can say that he is God, and so he is not going to fall into sin. But he also is, is available for us to help us also not to fall into sin. We see here at the second Sunday of the Great Fast how the church shows us the kinds of temptations that we experience, and especially when we are trying to embark on this spiritual journey during the time of the Great Fast to increase our asceticism, to increase our prayers, to increase our reading, to put away bad habits, to be more self-controlled. And so this is the type of temptations that we will experience because the devil does not want us to grow. The devil doesn't want us to put aside bad habits. He wants us to continue to indulge ourselves fully and even more. And so when we begin to walk on this path of asceticism, when we begin to walk on this path toward God, we will experience all of these attacks. And so we have to be even more diligent to remember that it is normal to feel temptation. It is normal to, to have setbacks even. It is normal, but this is part of the fight and that we should continue to call upon God to be with us and confess our sins. And glory be to God forever. Amen.